This is episode 76 of the EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AEA. My name is Mindy Carney, and even though we are definitely practicing social distancing, I am joined by my co-host, Jonathan Wiley. Hey, Mindy. Hi. It's kind of old school. We're doing this uh, over Zoom. I know. It is. Um, we were like, okay, how did we used to do this way back in the day? Got it all figured out, hopefully, except I'm without a microphone. so Yeah, we'll make it work. Yeah. Everybody's using Zoom these days. No kidding, right? It's super funny. My husband's been talking, just told me last night, like he was talking to his boss about how maybe some of them needed some learning around Zoom. And he's like, yeah, my wife has been living there for a long time. <laughs> If you guys need help, let me know. I saw a blog post from the company. Um, They were talking about some updates they were doing, and they were basically saying, look, we we made this product for, for businesses and enterprise, but like one day we just woke up and everybody was using Zoom. And so we've had to be scrambling a little bit to make sure it's all working good. But yeah, yeah, so far so good. I mean, yeah. I definitely haven't had any problems with it, and um, I'm super impressed that they're able to handle so many new users. You know, it's kind of crazy. I'm surprised it doesn't crash. I haven't had any crashes at all, which is crazy. So, yeah. All right. So, how are things going at home for you with the uh, with being home and isolated? Yeah, this is uh, kind of like picking up from our last episode, isn't it? When we yeah, were yeah, right. Um, I feel like, you know, we're we're not one of these uh, stay-at-home, shelter-in-place states yet. Right. But right. I feel like that's pretty much what we're doing right now. I mean, yeah. we live fairly rural, um, yeah. about half an hour north of Cedar Rapids out in the country a little bit. So, um, yeah, we're not around a lot of people for the most part. And, you know, we go to town maybe once a week for groceries, uh, which we did today. Mm-hmm. And uh, the rest of the time, we're just hanging around the house, I guess, walking the dog and yeah, trying to pass away the hours. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, we live in Cedar Rapids, so um, we tend to see people a little bit more, I suppose, uh, just out on walks and things like that. Um, my husband was working from home and just this week had to go back to work. Um, and so he's our sacrificial lamb of sorts. Um, he's the one that has, we, he's only been to the store once. Otherwise I have the groceries delivered and stuff. Um, but yeah, I haven't like been in a store since, I don't know, it's probably been three weeks or something like that, which is crazy. So, um, my only outside time is like taking walks and an occasional drive. Um, uh, it's just nuts. It's just completely crazy. It's a totally different lifestyle, but I've actually, um, really enjoyed the slowing down of life. This is usually when things get super ramped up in the Kearney house. So yeah. it's, um, I'm taking it for what it's worth right now. So how are things on the whole, um, Homeschool, working at home, and <laughs> social distancing, and putting it all together in, in one neat package. Yeah, you know, uh, yesterday I had a little bit of a meltdown, and um, for some reason I felt yesterday was really hard for me. I don't know. Um, the kids' school had a parade yesterday where the kids were supposed to drive through the parking lot, and all the um, teachers were out and about, and we had a work meeting during that time. And so that was the first time that I was like, oh my gosh, this is so hard because I had to make a choice. And at that time it had to be work. And, um, yeah, so, you know, that's the only time I feel like I've really been like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this, but otherwise, um, yeah, it's been really good. My kids are awesome and have really taken on kind of their independent learning and, 
Uh, I have to be completely honest. I've been real like, hey, work for an hour in the morning. Whatever you do, you do. And um, I'll just be here working. So it's been okay. How about you? It's been good. I mean, we are in a fortunate position in that, uh, well, one, both of us are educators and two, both of us are at home right now. So, you know, we can tag team a little bit now and again. Sure. If if I say to Donal, hey, I've got this team meeting like yesterday when we basically spoke all morning, then, you yeah. know, she can look after the kids and make sure they're doing what they need to be doing. So, yeah, right, yeah. right. You know, so we make it work. I guess yeah. teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. I definitely feel for those parents right now that, you know, both families are or both, you know, caretakers are working or, yeah, you know, definitely. single parents out there that are also essential workers. And man, there's just a lot. There's a lot going on. Um, and then to, you know, throw your kids being home all day, every day on top of that, there's, you know, just a lot of, a lot of stuff going on for a lot of people, which I think kind of brings us to, you know, our topic for today, right? Yeah, sure. Is a little bit about um, distance learning. So just a little bit of an update from Iowa. Yesterday, uh, Governor Reynolds spoke and actually pushed the closures of schools until the end of April. Um, And along with that, the Department of Ed also provided, I guess, actually three different pathways for schools to take. One of them was voluntary educational enrichment opportunities, which um, it's kind of like what I see my kids' schools doing right now where they're like sending links of things for the kids to do um, or like seesaw activities or um, things like that. And then also um, required educational services, which is really kind of gets back to the instructional, like moving kids forward and completing coursework and things like that. So um, and then the third and final one was just don't do anything right now and wait to make it up whenever you can make it up. So that, that one was wasn't as clear. I felt like <laughs> yeah, right? that was, uh, I'm not sure who's going to take that path yet. Maybe somebody will and they'll have a yeah. good plan for that. But um, I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I keep reminding myself that we're kind of like right in the middle of writing history right now and like just being involved in it and living it and um, helping people make some of those decisions is really, I mean, it's just a really unique time. And I've seen lots of things lately too about how like, um, you know, we say things like, oh, well, when I was a kid, well, our kids, this is this is going to be there when I was a kid sort of thing. Like when I was a kid, we had to stay home with our parents for two months straight, you know, and yeah. learning online. So, um, but yeah, so that's kind of what's going on in the state of Iowa right now. I think one of the good things about those choices is that um, there's not really a bad choice to make right now because sure. they've... They've waived instructional days, whether you decide to do voluntary and educational opportunities or required educational opportunities. And um, just it gives schools some flexibility to do what you think your kids need right now. And and we'll we'll deal with the rest. And hopefully we just have a a normal school year next year. Yeah, right. I know. All right. So um, as our team has kind of been talking about some of these things, we started to discuss what this would look like for um, educators as they were moving forward with their instruction. So we've talked around a lot of different considerations and 
skills that teachers might need to have and skills that our students might need to have and skills our parents might need to have or caretakers might need to have. So um, should we talk a little bit about what that looks like or the things that we've talked about? It's a long list, but let's do it. Yeah, right, right. So first and foremost, I guess, and the thing that we're starting to see our districts um, – I, I would say they're they're into this a little bit is just providing access to devices um, for students at home. A lot of our schools were leaving for spring break or were on spring break, so there wasn't really an opportunity for kids to take their stuff home with them because yeah. we were expecting to come back from spring break. So um, we've seen lots of different ways that schools are being creative and um, access to devices, and our state is providing different Wi-Fi access to families. Um, even interestingly enough, we're seeing lots of stuff about um, how school districts are providing like paper packets to kids that maybe don't have Wi-Fi access at home or, um, you know, just prefer to have that kind of work to, to do at home too. Yeah, I think that's that's a good it's a good baseline. If you can get devices out to kids, if you can get them Wi-Fi access at home or if they already have that stuff, then... I think those uh, devices and, and Wi-Fi is, is definitely the best place to start. I mean, you you don't necessarily, and we'll talk about this probably, but you don't necessarily have to have all your learning online, mm-hmm. but just to help them access that and see a list of your activities or, or whatever else, it, it's an efficient way to, to access the things that you want your kids to be doing right now. Yeah. But um, yeah, lots of different ways for, for people to do that. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I think... You know, anytime we're in crisis like this or in, you know, some sort of state of emergency, I think it's really interesting to see how creative people get and and how sometimes we always talk about this, especially in makerspaces about like providing constraints. And we are like in the midst of like huge constraints about everything and how it has really, I think, just really boistered people's creativity. And I just if nothing else, I think that is like the most intriguing thing to watch is how creative people have become you know, and the ways that they're getting in touch and connecting with their students, um, you know, like that parade with my kids that they had or um, see, you know, lots of teachers Zooming with their kids right now or using Flipgrid or, you know, just the great ways that they're really connecting. Yeah. And the way that people are, are pulling together for each other, I feel like, yeah. you know, this is a time where we could easily just be throwing everything up in the air and flipping tables and all the rest. But, you yeah. know, it's well, like... Well, we might be doing that too, but... We, yeah, we may still do that. <laughs> <laughs> but people are pulling together and they're saying, all right, well, you know, this is what it is. This is the situation we're in. Right. Let's make the best of it. And, you know, I don't think anybody's making bad choices right now. People are right. just... If you put your kids first uh, throughout this whole process and thinking about what the students have access to to and what their situation is at home, then, you know, you're always going to come out a winner. Yeah, right. And so, you know, kind of talking a little bit about those devices, and I, I think I think you said this before, too, is like, you know, what will that, what will it look like for you, too? And we've talked, you know, kind of how the state of Iowa has provided these two pathways of sorts, you know, but, you know, what are your goals for that online instruction? I know um, – Previously, it was more, I think, about maintenance. Like, we just want to keep our kids active and their brains still working. You know, if we're going into this with the long haul and who's to say right now, you know, what will happen? You know, are we going to move into um, more 
inst- I mean, are we going to try some instruction and try to, you know, attack yeah. some some concepts that maybe are really important for the end of the year? Um, but, you know, with those devices, how important it is to have some sort of like home base for your students to go to. Um, I know like I'm getting a ton of emails right now, which is great um, from teachers, you know, who are sending me stuff. I think it's really important, too, for your students to be able to access that stuff like being interrupted during a podcast because my daughter needs to get on a Zoom call. is yep. You know, it, it, um, how important it is for kids to be able to access that stuff independently because there are a lot of things going on at home. And if they know exactly where to go to get that stuff and become independent in that as much as, you know, they can at their age and what's appropriate for them, it's just really a great way to kind of streamline this so it becomes more comfortable as we go. Because mm-hmm. comfort really mm-hmm. isn't, I mean, it's just kind of this weird, we're in this weird stage right now, right? So if we can provide any sort of comfort or, you know, confidence in kids being able to do some of this independently, how important that is too. So examples of that home base could be things like um, an LMS, you know, a Canvas, a Schoology, an Edmodo type of thing, um, Google Classroom, sure, uh, Google Sites, uh, or any kind of teacher website. What other right. things are you thinking or, or seeing out there? Seesaw? Did you not? Did you like on I, purpose skip over I Seesaw? I didn't say Seesaw, did I? No, no I should have said Seesaw. Didn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about Seesaw, I think, closer to the end, like in the tech nugget, you know, area, but also having, um, yeah, just that place where kids go. And hopefully, you know, if you were lucky or have tried this before, that this isn't a new tool for you, that it's a tool that you're, you've are you already used and have some experience with and that your students have had some experience with. I think it is going to be tricky for anyone at this time to start fresh with a tool they've never used before. Yeah, for um, sure. But if you are doing that, it's okay. You know, give it a shot. But I think you also have to just be very, um, I don't know, transparent in what that looks like and your expectations and then just all of the directions of how to get kids logged in and parents logged in. And and even if you think your kids know how to do that at home, that the, there's still going to be tech issues at home too, that parents are going to have to troubleshoot that have no experience with, you know, this type of technology at all. So just being really prepared to um, really clarify all of those directions and the expectations of it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things we we spend some time talking about as a team that, you know, you can't just jump straight into, okay, we're working on silent E today and here's all right. our worksheet. It's like, it's like <laughs> let's rewind a little bit and think about, right. okay, what, what tools are we using? Is everybody comfortable using the tools? What is the, the etiquette for using some of these tools? Like if you're doing video calls and things like this, I mean, we right. talked about, you know, Make sure your students are dressed appropriately because right. I'm, I'm not going to say my kids dress inappropriately, but, you know, my, my son doesn't have to wear a shirt. He won't wear a shirt, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and I, I, I'm not going to go any more than that. But, yeah. Um, yeah, dress them like they would wear for for school. And uh, that's something I always heard people say when they were yeah. home officing. You know, yeah. if you dress like you're going to work, even yeah. though you're working at home, you're more likely yeah. to do work as right. opposed to if you dress in your pajamas, then, you you know. Right. Well, this is yeah. what we call mullet dressing, right? That Amber Bridge, like, 
yeah. you know, coined is like business up top and wear your pajama bottoms on the on the your pajama bottoms. It's fine, but just make sure that you look professional up top, you know? For sure. For all those Zoom calls, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, like I had this conversation with my daughter to her first Zoom call and like I was on a Zoom call when she got started and I didn't know we were doing it. And so it was kind of crazy anyway. And so I didn't talk to her about it at all, which I know is not the right thing to do, but I had to go in. She was she was not going to the bathroom, but she was zooming from the toilet. And I was like, you can't, oh. <laughs> you can't be in the bathroom on the toilet while you're zooming. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, are, am I muted right now? <laughs> just thought, holy cow, we completely, completely lost control in this house. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just having those expectations, I think, and, you know, talking a little bit about Zoom, about how really important it is, I think, to connect with our students. And I know – that Zoom might not be an option for you in your school or for your students, but, you know, doing some sort of check-in because right now if our students aren't feeling safe or are scared about what's going on or, you know, emotionally just kind of stressed out, that they're not going to be doing any learning and um, whatever, you know, work they're doing is not going to be important to them. So how important it really is to connect with our students in some way Um and just be that stable voice, I think, um, that they're used to. You know, they've spent so many time, so much time with us as educators that we're really their, their constant in their lives always. And how important it is really above everything else is to connect with your kids. Yeah. And, you know, even just a little check in at the beginning of the week or something where you can, you know, talk in real time with your kids I know over the last right. couple of weeks and things there's been a lot of teachers recording stuff and put things out on Facebook and stuff and that's great yeah. but yeah. you know think about you know a mixture of synchronous and asynchronous times where you can you know connect with your kids and everybody mm-hmm. feel that they're together again and they can yeah, right. be a class again and have right. that environment so you know let's say let's say you've done that right so you have your home base of some sort and you've connected with your kids and you've hopefully established a little bit of expectations as far as, you know, what does Zoom look like and what's this home base look like and how are we going to use it? Um, We've kind of talked then about the next phase is providing um, some content for our kids of sorts. You know, like what I got super um, worried about when this whole thing kind of came out was the amount of lists that I saw and not not by teachers. I am talking more like on Facebook where there were – um, just lists of things coming out of all yeah. of these places your kids should go and the things they should be doing. And and I'm an educator and I was looking at, and it, you know, a parent who I feel like has got a pretty good grip on things and I'm like super overwhelmed, like, holy cow, all of these parents out there are going to be thinking like, I have all this I have to do. I haven't looked at any of this. I need to look at this. I need to do this. Um, and, and I would, you know, as an educator, probably really rein in on just giving a website out and being like, here, go explore. Um, I think it would probably be more beneficial to everyone is just to share one little aspect of a website, send the kids directly there and then ask a question for some sort of thinking prompt of some sort. So, um, I know like, for example, there is, um, I found, I think it was on Wonderopolis. There's something about why cats don't like water. I think it was Wonderopolis. And so instead of sending kids to Wonderopolis, I choose that one article. And the reason I choose it is because it has some accessibility, right? So kids could either read it or listen to it. Um, and then provide a questions like, um, how could you help your cat like water? Because in that article, there are some hints of how you could do that. 
Um, and so just kind of narrowing it down. And I think Pernille Rip did it best, said it best when she said, cut what you want to do in half and then half that again. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a really important thing to remember as we're kind of pushing some of these things out to our students. Yeah. And, you know, I was glad to see that the Department of Ed here in Iowa echoed that, even for those schools that are going to continue with voluntary enrichment opportunities. They said, you know, this needs to be more than just posting lists of activities that students and families can do. Schools need to engage with learners. And so, you know, I, I've had things home from teachers and for my kids that, you know, were lists, but that's what everybody was sharing for a while. And yes, when those first absolutely. came out, you were like, oh, okay, that could be useful. But then by like the right. 700th list you've seen on Twitter, yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> how yeah. am I ever going to go through this? And yeah. I, as a parent, want specific things that they can do when they go to this website. You know, mm-hmm. how does that relate to what they're learning in the classroom? How can I help them, you know, access this content and, and process it and, and learn something from it as opposed mm-hmm. to just here's a website. So um, we're moving into that phase now, I think, where, you know, the learning is going to step up a little bit more and we need to think about our content. Yeah. And I think, you know, probably in this phase too, it's still just about maintaining and keeping the kids' brains busy. Um, You know, I mean, maybe you're not looking at your standards so much. You're probably looking at them more in like competencies of sorts, like, oh, summarize this or tell me an important point. Um, that you read or something like that. So it's really not, I, I, w- I would imagine this phase is still not about like passing on new content or new skills, but just kind of maintaining um, skills that you've already introduced to your kids throughout the school year. Yeah, and helping them get orientated with learning in this format, in this environment, mm-hmm. you know, you're probably not going to start with anything super taxing. This isn't this isn't a case where you're just going to pick up where you left off and suddenly start teaching, you know, dividing fractions or whatever it was you left right. on. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because it's important to, um, as you kind of move into the next, you know, part where you're asking for responses back from your students too, is that you, you know, you want to make sure that they're comfortable and they kind of understand the workflow of things so that when you're actually asking for things back from them, that, you know, they've kind of they're real confident in that stage. The next phase that we kind of talk about then um, in phase, what, the phase three, I guess we're talking about then, right? Did we talk about? This is phase content? three. This is phase three. So um, when we kind of talked next, thinking through those things, the what we kind of imagine then for our students next was, you know, ways for them to demonstrate their learning. So how are they uh, showing that they've you know, grasp something that we're giving them. And then also, how do we start providing feedback for our students? And I think that's really about still staying connected with our kids too, right? And and um, the Department of Ed talked about that a little bit yesterday too during their webinar about how important it is to provide feedback for our students, um, even in the voluntary continuous learning um, path, because that's really how we stay connected and how our students, you know, know that we're out there and that the work is meaningful too. Um, And then even, and this is kind of from our team, is how important it is for our kids to communicate online. I I find this with my kids is that they're um, communicating with their friends in the afternoons. That's what they get. They have two hours of tech time and they're um, on FaceTime with their friends or they're playing Fortnite with their friends or and how important it is for them to also communicate academically online. 
mm-hmm. um, and how that could be a skill that you could really talk about even during your Zoom meetings. You know, what does it mean to have, um, you know, to provide a comment or provide feedback to our friends or our classmates? And here's how you might start some of those feedback comments. And this is, you know, this is heavy stuff. This is a lot. This is, uh, you know, maybe stuff that teachers weren't necessarily doing in their classrooms to begin with either. Um, but it, it's, you know, if you're already a little bit further along and have been doing some online work, it might be something that you're like, oh, this might really mean something to my kids if we talk about how will we comment to each other um, back and forth on our learning management system or on home base or something like that. Yeah, and I think almost the um, almost by definition, what we're dealing with here is, is distance learning. And part of that definition is that you know you're going to be separated from people and you're not going to see other people so i think that's where that communication part really comes in with the Mm -hmm. feedback or you know peer you can still do peer collaboration you can still do group work virtually and things like that to think about how to get those kids involved in that sense of community again in your classroom Mm -hmm. so um kind of as we talk through some of this we started talking a little bit more about other tools than just our home base and Um, we've definitely, you know, talked about Flipgrid and Flipgrid is, you know, we've talked about Flipgrid for years now, but how important or what a great powerful tool it would be because, you know, Zoom is really great as a synchronous tool, but if, you know, not all students are going to be able to get, you know, to that Zoom call at 11 o'clock in the morning, um, that Flipgrid really provides students the opportunity to video respond and see one another, but in an asynchronous environment. Um, so that might be something uh, to think about. The other thing that I kind of started thinking about, and I haven't talked about this forever, but the Seesaw Connected blogs, um, especially if you have classes that, like right now, I know my kids are um, Zooming with their like homeroom, those kids, but they have mm-hmm. other classmates that they're not connecting with and how with Seesaw Connected blogs, you could connect, you know, your two Seesaw classes so kids could see each other's work or see videos that other kids are posting or something like that. So that maybe now would be a meaningful time to, to give that a shot. Yeah. And maybe think about some of those, you know, discussion tool type options you've got in there inside of things like Mm -hmm. canvas or Google classroom. I've got the the question tool. You can pose questions in the stream and, you know, even if it's stuff like, Hey, how's everybody doing today? You know, how, how are we, how are we feeling and stuff just to help that social emotional kind of uh, connection on there too. And um, the other thing I guess I have on this list, too, is about um, is Wakelet and how um, how it might be beneficial to use Wakelet if you have if you have some sort of review video for your kids to watch and then something that they're practicing and then adding in there to, you know, a Flipgrid link so that it's all kind of together and compacted in one spot. Sometimes I think things get lost even in like Seesaw because it's a feed, right? But if you use a Wakelet link and keep those pieces together, um, might help it stay a little bit more focused and not seem so kind of all over the place. Yeah, because that's one of those things about about Wakelet that I I sometimes forget. Sometimes I just use it as like a dumping ground. Oh, there's an article I found. Add it to this Wakelet. Add it to almost like Flipboard or something. But you can organize it and put things in order. You can add comments. You can add text. You can add videos and have it almost like a a playlist or a checklist for kids to work through. And so you could maybe just have a Wakelet that was, you know, week one, algebra one or something. And then all the things you're doing in week one can be in there. You 
can put all your wakelets in your LMS or your Google Classroom or whatever you want to keep that stuff as a reference. But, you know, it's easy for you to build. It's easy for them to access and stuff too. Um, the other thing that I know, because um, I was in charge of um, doing like a weekly lesson plan, just for an example. And one of the things that I provided just as an activity um, was for kids to try like a feedback stem. Like now look through the work for the week of your friends, use this one feedback stem. So just kind of taking it very slow and modeling it um, for kids. And then the other link that I put in here too was for talk moves. And, you know, as teachers who, if you haven't been online or provided feedback to kids online, how talk moves can really kind of neutralize any feedback that you give and, um, so if your students aren't used to reading your feedback online and you're not used to providing it, sometimes things can get a little hairy. If you've ever read an email and took it in the wrong way, you would yeah, know, sure. right? Um, so using those talk moves could be beneficial as a way for you to provide feedback. Um, and Seesaw has some great feedback stems too that, you know, if you're modeling that for your kids, um, but, you know, if you if you haven't done any of that online feedback though, it, you know, you kind of have to be... Have to be careful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's also you know other tools like Kaizena and things like that you can use to interact with your Google Docs and lead voice feedback. I've definitely seen teachers um, like grade things with Screencastify, so that mm -hmm. they're recording it and, right. and talking their way through it. So you're seeing what the teacher's talking about as they're showing you on the on the the doc or the slide or whatever it is they're they're grading for you. So lots of great options out there for sure. Absolutely. And that, you know, that even up to that phase is going to keep you pretty busy, right? Yeah, it is, for sure. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff. Um, but then we kind of talked, okay, so what if, and then I think even, you know, to be very transparent, we're like, so what if we were to continue to use not necessarily like 100% online learning? Because I would be the last person to tell you that this is the ideal way to teach or to be um, taught. But if we, you know, if schools start to look a little bit more closely at providing more options for online opportunities, what would that look like um, for students? And I think the last thing, although when we plan, I think one-on-one -on -one or face-to-face -face with our kids, these are usually the things that we take into consideration um, right away um, with online learning. And because this is an emergency situation, it was our last phase. And that was really about how are we... Um, how are we looking at UDL, right? And how we are providing different learning opportunities for different kids. Up until this point, we've kind of, you know, more of our focus was just, let's just get our kids active and, and working and learning, um, which normally we would look at this a little bit differently because it's emergency. We are adding these things kind of on to the end is making sure that um, students can learn in different modalities. So maybe it is a Zoom call with me and a small group of kids, or maybe it's a video that I've pushed out, or maybe um, it's text and step-by-step -step instructions, um, but really taking into consideration how different kids learn differently and how important it is for them to understand and explain to us what's working best for them too. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, thinking about giving the kids choices as well, maybe over the, like I think you said this about the uh, the things they're producing. And I, I would look at online learning or distance learning as a, as a great opportunity to explore that some more because, mm-hmm. you know, the kids uh, are going to have um, ideas about things they want to do. And a lot of what they're producing is probably going to be um, in, in a, a digital format here sure. if, if you're on this required learning program here. So right. give give kids options, give kids choices, and then they can work towards uh, things they're most comfortable with. And, you know, also by, you know, after you've done this for a week or two, think about, you know, how can you personalize the the content and make it more relevant to to your kids? Because um, the more that they are able to connect with that content, the more they're going to take that on board and and learn from it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely an opportunity to think about ways where you can uh, make those connections for relevance for kids too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it, and it's even more relevant for us as teachers right now too, right? Because I mean, me working from home and I, you know, I have the opportunity to work from home on days that it works out for me in my work schedule. It's still super hard for me to stay focused here in this situation with all of the distractions I have in my home. Um, so if you take that into consideration with kids, they might be more likely to engage in the work um, if it's something that is of interest to them. And now is the time to try that. I mean, eventually, I think that is the pie in the sky is that we allow our students to have a lot more voice in what they're learning and how they're learning it. And now it gives you maybe as an educator more relevance to give that give that a shot too. And there's no there's no big mistakes here right now, right? Like this is for sure. This yeah, is definitely. the time to try something new and just, you know, hear from your kids and have them tell you what's working and what's not. Yeah. Because I think that's the great thing. Most of the school districts that I've seen or spoken to have been really supportive of their teachers. They're like, yeah. okay, this is you for everybody. We didn't right. plan on this. We didn't, you know, we didn't practice this throughout the year. So yeah. we're all just trying to do our best here. And, right. you know, and we as consultants are, are here to help support you guys. If you need mm-hmm. help or advice or ideas, you know, chances are we're going to have some or have heard about things that other people are doing that we can also throw your way to. So don't yeah. hesitate to to reach out if you're looking for ideas on that. Absolutely. We love to help. This is our gig, right? It's like the, yeah. it's like, oh, wow, this is, this is it right here. So, um, yeah, let us know. Let us know what you need and we, we want to help for sure. And I guess maybe just to round things up, um, I'll put some links to things that we've looked at as a team in the in the show yeah. notes. So some of these are going to be really fresh and new, like the continuous learning procedures from the Iowa Department of Education. Um, we have got um, a continuous learning guide that we have been working on that is probably almost ready to share. We're just yeah. polishing up parts of that, so we'll, we'll get that yep. out soon. Um there's uh, things, resources from uh, other states as well. Like we've looked at this from the Illinois State Board of Education. They've got remote learning recommendations and the Michigan Virtual also have learning continuity resources. So there's lots of stuff out there. I mean, there are people that have done this already and have been through right. this sort of thing. Some school districts right. in other states have e-days where they just do this anyway. So for them, mm-hmm. they can just flip to that mode. But um, mm-hmm. the rest of us can take advantage of those resources and things that are already out there to help shape what works for us and for our kids at our schools. All right, up next, we have just two quick tech nuggets that we think are super relevant for right now, right? Yeah, for sure. You want to go first? 
I will do. Um, and my tech nugget probably would have been in the news and update part of the show, yes, which we right. kind of glossed over today just yeah, because right. of the circumstances we're all in. But Flipgrid came out with a new option, which I think is going to be really useful for teachers who are exploring this distance learning uh, right. environment here. And that is the ability to do screen recording mm -hmm. using the Flipgrid camera. So this just came out the other day here. Um, it works in the newer versions of Microsoft Edge or Google Chrome. And when you launch the Flipgrid camera, next to the big red record button, there's like three dots. And uh, you click that three dots, it opens a menu here. And one of the options is the ability to record your screen, to make a screencast that you can just drop straight into Flipgrid. So. Technically, I guess you wouldn't need any additional uh, tools and things on there now. You don't need to right. record separately in Screencastify and then upload it to Flipgrid. You've got that right. built straight in now to Flipgrid. So I think that's a great option for teachers. Yeah, and um, so my quick one, and I referenced this earlier in the podcast, but um, that Seesaw now has remote learning. So previously, um, unless you were logging in with a Google account... Um, or your students were logging in with a Google account, I should say, there wasn't really access at home to the class app. Anything that you did was all through the family app. So you could um, send things to teachers and things like that through the inbox. But otherwise, the family app was just kind of your way of getting stuff and seeing stuff that your kids had posted. Um, now what they've done is enabled a remote learning student code. And so um, it looks a lot like it does when you get kids scanned in with a QR code. But now you send those codes home, different codes, home learning student codes, which you have to turn on in the settings. Um, but you can still email those out to parents if you um, haven't had contact with your kids or seen your kids or been able to hand them a paper copy. You could still send those um, through an email to your a student. So a nice way for kids to still be in touch with you and be able to post to activities and things like that. So I have to ask, is this yeah. CISO for schools only or everybody? No, it's not. Okay, that's good. It is for everyone. Yes. Yeah. I've just started yeah. to um, have a couple of Seesaw class invitations drop into my oh. inbox the last couple of days oh. from teachers Sliding that are like, DMs, huh? you know what would be a great <laughs> thing to use right now? We need to get Seesaw back up and running. So the music yeah. teacher and the PE teacher at my kids' schools have been like, yeah, yeah let's get this going again. And, you know, yeah. this is a great way to connect and keep in touch. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's probably all we have to talk that's about today. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, one of these weird situations right now that we are in but you know we are still working uh please reach out if you need uh help or ideas or, or resources or you want us to connect you with people we mm -hmm. can absolutely do that for sure um we're working from home but uh we're only a zoom call away i guess we but... are that's right that's yeah <laughs> so until next time this has been the edtech takeout we hope it hit the spot For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast.